It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Let's go, back to your huddle. On Giants.com. Tempo, tempo, tempo. And the Giants mobile app. Go, 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 Part go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Yeah. Welcome to the newest edition of the Giants huddle podcast. John Schmoke with you. Today we preview the Giants week two matchup against the Washington football team on Thursday night football. I speak to Giants left tackle Andrew Thomas. Then I talk to NFL Network anchor Colleen Wolf, who is pregame coverage of the game on NFL Network on Thursday night. And finally, Bob Papa talks to the head coach of the New York football Giants, Joe Judge. But first, as a reminder, you can find the Giants Little Podcast at Giants.com slash podcast on the Giants mobile app. But most importantly, make sure you go subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms and the most recent episode will be delivered to you whenever it is published. All right, let's start with our interviews, and we go first with Giants left tackle Andrew Thomas entering his second season, a 2020 fourth overall pick out of the University of Georgia. He's the Giants starting left tackle, had offseason ankle surgery, was having a good offseason, a rough patch in joint practices with the Patriots and that preseason game, but came out and played very well in that first week against the Denver Broncos. How you feeling, man? Short week. I'm feeling great. Uh, quick turnaround. Uh, I had to put you know Denver away and started Washington today, so I'm excited for it. What's the challenges for a guy like you coming off a game on a Sunday, having to play again on a Thursday night on the road? Uh, just putting away the game as quick as you as quick as we have to. Um, you watch the film, and the next day, you know, we're already installing for the next game, and you have to be mentally prepared because we're not getting the same physical reps that we get during a normal week of practice. So you have to be really locked in. How was the film study for the offensive line coming off that week one game? It was good. Um, definitely some things we had to clean up, uh, some things in protection, and um, just been a lot better in the run game, getting more movement, um, getting a hat on the hat uh, for next week. You'll hear from Joe Judge later on in this podcast. I just talked to him with Bob Pop inside, and he said that, look, he tells you guys to block everything out from the outside. But he says, look, the offensive line here is what people are saying. Did you guys, were you happy to come out and put such a really good strong performance together after all those doubters were kind of questioning you guys after that final preseason game or do you just not care about any of that stuff at all no I wouldn't say we were happy did not run the ball well um that's Uh, something that's something that we you know we pride ourselves on as being a physical team being able to run the ball Uh, we have some talented backs and we didn't you know let them do what they needed to do protection was okay but every time we you know every time we snapped the ball we don't want anybody on DJ in that game there were you know people on our quarterback so um, definitely some things you can look and say, okay, yeah, we, we, we've improved, but it's a lot of things that we're still working on to get better at. What do you guys need to do to shore up that run blocking in the run game? Uh, just uh, it's technique, uh, making sure you have the right fit, the right hand placement, the right leverage, and then understanding the scheme, the concept. If the linebackers are flowing back, if we have certain motions, things like that, um, I think a better understanding of the offensive line will help. How are you physically? I know offseason you had your offseason yep. ankle surgery. Mm-hmm. You've kind of been limited in some practices over yep. the summer. There were reports that you were under the weather a little bit during yep. that week up in New England. Mm-hmm. How are you physically right now? I think I'm doing pretty well. Um, I think I felt pretty good after the Denver game. Um, it's a short week this week, so we'll see how I feel Thursday. But right now I feel pretty good. Where do you think you are in terms of pass pro, in terms of your progress, in terms of the technique stuff? Is, you know, We talked back, mm-hmm. I think, in June on the Giants huddle, and yeah. you talked about the things you were working on to become a better pass protector. Right. Where yeah. do you think you are in terms of getting your techniques set, your slide, your punch, syncing yeah. it all up, and doing all those things? I'm still improving. Um, it hasn't gotten muscle memory yet. Right now I'm still you know, focusing on it, thinking every time, you know, this is what I need to do. This is where my hands need to be. This is where my set needs to be. I want to get to a point where it's just, it just happens. I have to think about it. Um, every time I turn the film, it's like this is how you're supposed to do it. So still working. 
Now, you've had a lot of different guys next to you this summer. You had um, Kenny Wiggins there for a while. You had Shane Lemieux, obviously. Now you have Ben Bredesen, who's only been here for a couple of weeks. What has it been like trying to adjust to having different guys next to you depending on the day? Well, that's the beauty of the NFL. Any given week, you can have somebody you know, playing next to you. It could be a different combination of guys. Somebody could go down. Um, so you just have to be prepared. We, we, we practice really hard. Um, next man up mentality. And whoever's there, that's what we have to win with. You talk about the run game. I want to jump back to it for a second. Last year, I thought you guys really hit your stride when you did a lot of power, a lot of gap, right, pulling the guard around, things like that, a lot of the duo stuff, the double teams. You went to a little bit more outside zone stuff, a little more zone stuff with Barkley back, right? What's the key to being a good zone blocking team? Well, I would say first, um, your steps and your angles. Um, you have to have the right step, the right angles to get the D-line to flow, to get the linebackers to flow that way. It opens up the cutbacks for, you know, zone scheme plays. If you don't get sure. the right fit, the right hat placement, then you tell the one, the running back where to go, and then he doesn't get to, you know, react. So um, just like I said, making sure you get your, your, your good steps, good leverage, and um, the ball should hit. How many times did you actually go up against Von Miller in that game? I know he was lined up over Nate most of the time. How many times was he actually on your side? He didn't line up on my side at all. Not at all? Yeah, he stayed on the right side, and that's what we thought on film would happen, um, and that's what they did. Yeah. All right, so talk about the two guys you're going to face this week, Montez Sweat and Chase Young. I just watched that game this morning, and they were rotating back and forth. It was mostly Sweat on your side, but Chase Young a little bit to start the game. What do you see when you watch those guys? How are they different, and what do you have to do to slow them down? Yeah, so um, playing them last year, they did the same thing. Uh, they, they rotated a little bit. It's mm-hmm. never always left, always right. Um, I guess I'll start with Chase. Very athletic guy, um, good power, um, has good speed, good hands, uh, ability to bend the corner. So have to be really good in pass pro. And then Montez is long, long, you know, really athletic, has good power, good speed to power. So you have to, you have to be able to anchor against him. I feel like you against Montez Sweat is kind of strength versus strength, right? You both are big, long, strong guys. Do you feel like that's kind of a matchup where you're like, all right, this is like really getting into what I'm good at type of stuff? Definitely, but at the same time, like I say, he's still athletic. Of course. Um, still has ability to – he does a good job of a- after he goes to power, countering back off of that. So I have to be prepared to, you know, once I sit it down to counter and do whatever I need to do to, you know, stop the rush. They have two real good defensive tackles too. How many – how much – how often do they run games or do they like to try to get the one-on-one ISO'd matchups? It just depends. Um, how they align, they, but they, they both rush really well, so it can be either or. Sometimes it might be a pick game, and sometimes that's just how they rush. I know Jonathan likes to do the hump move a lot, and sometimes that can, to a guard, it could be deceiving because you don't know if he's just you sure. know, doing the hump move or if they're running a, a TE, so you just have to be you know, very disciplined in your set. When you take a look at what they try to do defensively with their blitz packages, is it a lot of linebackers? Is it corners? And when do they try to utilize that stuff? Is it mostly on third down, or are they mixing it in, in different spots? They mix it. It's, it's a lot of different people um, that blitz. They'll bring the wheel. They'll bring the free safety, depending on if it's uh, you know, a slot formation. They bring the corner sometimes. So just, we just have to be in tune to safety rotation, things like that. And most of the time it's probably you know, second, third down, uh, longer situations um, that they'll bring it. I know you talked about the offensive line specifically. You want to talk about the offense in general. You guys were kind of in and out of the lineup a lot in the offseason, right? Saquon didn't come off pup till second, first week of August, didn't practice fully until the end of August, beginning of September. Kenny Galladay was in and out. Tony was in and out. How do you feel like the group overall is clicking? Are you How close are you to where you want to be? I know yeah. the whole season you're trying to improve the whole right. time, right? But how, how close are you to being where you want to be? Um, I think we still have a lot of improvement, but honestly, I think we, we started to gel a little, a little bit, especially on that last drive. Like, I know the game, you know, was over where people, you know, people might not be watching, but for us, that's like time to get better is reps that we can improve, and I think we're stronger together, and I think it, it's going to help us, you know, toward going on to the next game and the rest of the season. 
when you look at that Broncos game, because one negative play, a penalty, can short-circuit a drive. Right? You can do three plays well, you have one bad play, everything gets erased because it destroys your drive. When you look back at that Broncos game, was it consistent issues? Was it a few plays here or there that, like I'm talking about, short-circuited a drive here or there? How would you characterize the overall issues you had against Denver, unable, being unable to get points up on the board? Well, Coach Garrett um, says it well. Um, we only had eight possessions. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I know in football they teach us, you know, next play is the best play. But you have to understand that one of those my bads is a drive that we could have scored. And we only have eight of them. Their offense did a good job of staying on the field, um, running down the clock. So once we get on the field, we have to capitalize. And regardless of what, what the issue was, we didn't, you know, we didn't score. And that's the thing that we're, you know, trying to fix. And you got to score inside the 20, right? Exactly. I know that's a big focus right. to you guys. It's such a compressed area. So what do you have to do well to be a better red zone team? Um, I would say first, the run game. Um, if we're running the ball, it's, you know, we don't even need to throw it. But, uh, pass protection as well, though, you, you, have to be, you have to be a little bit more firm. It might take a little longer. The quarterback might have to scramble, you know what I'm saying, um, because everything's so condensed. Wide receivers are not as open, so we have to protect better. What was it like being in front of fans? Giant fans for the first time, like full-throated Giant yeah. fans. Uh, it was exciting for me. Um, special time, you know, with 9-11 and everything. Yeah. Um, the firemen and policemen out there, it was, a, it was a special time. And me personally, I was just happy to be out there. Um, my family got to come to their first home game. Oh, that's so great. It was exciting for me. All right, final yeah. question. Um, now you're heading in, first division game of the year. Both teams are 0-1. Just what is – anxiety level is the wrong answer. What's the sense of urgency for you guys? Prime time, coming off 0-1, a division game – having to get this win against Washington. It's a statement game. Uh, Coach Judge says um, most teams improve from, you know, week one to week two. Um, and this is a division game that we, you know, we it's a must-win game. We have to win. Um, Washington's a great team. We have to be prepared for it. Well, we look forward to seeing it. Thank Andrew, you. thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That's Giants left tackle Andrew Thomas. Don't miss out on the return of New York Giants football. The 2021 season might be underway, but there's still time to secure your season tickets and root on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925 or check out single game tickets. Go to Giants.com slash single game tickets now to secure your seat. All right, now let's go on and continue our preview of the Thursday night game between the Giants and the Washington football team. For that, I was joined by NFL Network's Colleen Wolf, And now we're joined by NFL Network's Colleen Wolf. She anchors the coverage on Thursday night football. NFL Network has the game Giants and the Washington football team. It all starts at 6 p.m. with NFL game day kickoff. She's on Twitter at Colleen Wolf. Also the host of Saturday's Good Morning Football. Colleen, thanks for being with us all the way out there on the West Coast. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Awesome. Let's talk about the game on Thursday night. Both these teams come in 0-1, and you've seen these numbers. I'm sure you put them on your pregames and, you know, good morning football all the time. The chances of making the playoffs when you're 0-2 is not great. So what do you think the urgency level is going to be for these two teams when they come out on Thursday night? I mean, it's huge, and it's so dumb to say that this is a must-win game in week two. Like, the season just started, it feels like, yesterday. Um, But it's just... It's so important because this division is so winnable. I mean, uh, this isn't exactly the NFC West. So right now, the fact that the Eagles are the only team that won week one and that they are in first place, that tells you all you need to know about this division because no one really thought uh, a ton about the Eagles coming into this year. And maybe everyone was wrong, but all of these teams will be really close, I think, ultimately. And to start 0-2, especially in a primetime game on a short week, that is not how you want to start the season. And the Giants, they're familiar with this because I feel like they've been starting 0-2 
for so many years. I went back and I looked, I think it's eight out of the last nine seasons. If they lose this week, that's what it would make it. So uh, that's not, that's not the way that they want to start. They want to break that streak. And there's a lot of different things. I think that, that go into the losses for both teams, a lot of things they need to improve on, but they really need to step up both teams do on Thursday. Yeah, you had it exactly right. Every year since 2013, except for one, and that's the one year they made the playoffs in 2016. So yes, try to avoid that for sure. And and then to your point with the NFC East last year, I think everyone said, oh, you know, we could see the Eagles winning it. They're a favorite. Dallas could win it. Nobody mm-hmm. thinks Washington is going to win it. Then who won the division? It's Washington. And now it's Philadelphia in the same spot this year. So you're right. You absolutely never know with this division. Let's talk about last week's games. What do you make of Washington's loss to Los Angeles? I just watched the game on tape and the way Los Angeles was able to move the ball up and down the field against what I thought before the season was going to be one of the best defenses in the league. I thought was pretty impressive. I know I was expecting a lot more from Washington's defense. And I think that's why a lot of people in the off season were picking Washington to win the division. It's like week one was really a great week to eat crow. I think for everyone, because (laughs) there were just so many things that proved everyone wrong. I mean, from Jameis Winston throwing five touchdowns and Aaron Rodgers looking the way that he did. But also I thought that Washington's defense, I thought that they were going to come out and really handle the Chargers offensive line. And Justin Herbert was able to move around well and get everything done. And I think that when I look at this, this D line, I mean, Chase Young, he didn't have any sacks. He only had three tackles, one TFL. But this entire front seven is really, really talented. They have really good pass rushers. So it's one game. I don't think that that's going to what we saw uh, on Sunday. I don't think that's going to dictate how they will play the rest of the season. But it really did surprise me from Washington. And Taylor Heineke came in and was like decent too. And I shouldn't be surprised by that because the fact that he came in and started a playoff game and actually played really well last year in that wild card game against the Bucks. So he's a former undrafted free agent. This is his fifth team and somehow he's still making it happen. And now he's a full week of practice too. I think that's something that a lot of people underestimate. You know, he didn't take any reps for probably almost two weeks leading up to that first regular season game. And now maybe they adjust things in the offense. So you look at that game in the playoffs last year against Tampa Bay. He was pushing the ball down the field. He wasn't a check down Charlie. This is a guy I think the Giants do have to be concerned about. He can move in the pocket a little bit. This guy can play. Yeah, he, he can definitely make plays. And he's like sneaky athletic too yeah. uh, because he's able to have some of that mobility that even Ryan Fitzpatrick sort of has that at times too. So I think that they're kind of similar in that regard. Um, but yeah, t- Tyler Heineke. I mean, you know what? I'm really bummed though that we're not going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick for a Thursday night broadcast because I feel like without fail, every single season I've been doing this job that Fitzy comes out and does something in prime time. And whether it's like he's rocking this Hawaiian shirt, his chest hair is hanging out and he's just doing (laughs) his whole thing. He's saying hello to his like 27 children. I love Fitzy. So I'm very sad about this development. And I feel like he was preparing all offseason for primetime. He shaved the beard. He slimmed down. He looked like a new Ryan Fitzpatrick. And now we're going to miss that. Hopefully he'll be back uh, this season, though. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, they have some pretty good weapons, too, right? They add Curtis Samuel. I know he's on injured reserve. But Antonio Gibson's a good player. Terry McLaurin's mm-hmm. kind of emerging as one of the better wide receivers in the league. Then they have some young guys, too. So 
it, to me, if they can get that offensive line squared away, and I know that was an issue for them in week one, Joey Bosa was mm-hmm. pretty much all over the place and did whatever yeah. he wanted. Uh, that to me is, is, is kind of the key here. If they can protect, then those weapons might have a chance to do something. And especially Terry McLaurin, like, think about how much success he's had with so many different quarterbacks. Uh, and even last week, I was, I was surprised that we didn't see more from him because he only had, I think he was only targeted four times yeah. and he caught all four of those balls, but he only had 62 yards and that's well under his typical output. So I think that, I think we could probably see a big day from him. I don't know what's going on with James Bradbury, if they're going to be matched up on each other, but that could potentially be a problem. Antonio Gibson, um, he's been really good. Uh, not, I'm, I'm not really thrilled with uh, the fumble that he had to kind of thwart the, uh, Washington comeback bid because listen for us we really hate when both teams on Thursday night come in with losses and especially to start the season so I'm always when like on Sundays I'm watching the two games who are playing on Thursday and so I'm always rooting for those teams to win and uh, it was really disappointing for both of these teams to lose on Sunday to your point though and I think this is important and we see this every year in the NFL Never take too much out of week one. Weird things right. happen in week one. I mean, look, we, we all don't think the, the Packers are going to play like that all year, right? I don't think we think the Titans are going to play like that all year. No. Things change very quickly from week one to week two in this league every year. I mean, look, the Jags, they won a game last year in week That's one. Right. So, I mean, it's uh, anything could happen, really. <laughs> no question about it. All right, let's talk about the Giants in week one. I think the thing that took me by surprise, I think we all knew Denver was going to have a really good defense this year. I don't think we expected them to be able to kind of march up and down the field the way they did. So this to me has to be a big bounce back game for this Giants defense. Because we talked about right, Washington's defense is so good. The Giants defense, I know they don't play against each other, but they're going to have to match because I don't think the Giants are going to go out there and put a, you know, a, a 30 or 40 burger up on the board here. So this giant defense is going to have to keep this game probably around 20 points. They have to. Absolutely. Teddy Bridgewater came out and did his thing against he the was Giants. Great. That. He was really good. I mean, again, is this a week one thing? I don't know. But that was one of my, like, week one surprises. And I I loved it for the Broncos and Teddy Bridgewater, but I wasn't expecting this for the Giants. Even on our show, Good Morning Football, last Saturday, Mike Garofolo, one of the guys I work with, he picked the Giants to be the surprise winner of the division. And so the whole time during the game, I'm texting him, and I'm like, be still, you still feel that way right now? You watching what's happening? Uh, The one thing that I did really love, though, and I was impressed um, about with the Giants, I feel like there's a little bit of a silver lining. The offensive line played better than I thought they were going to play. And that was the one thing that I was really waiting for. And I was like, oh, no, it's going to be a problem. Like Von Miller. I mean, really just like any defense on this offensive line. And I thought they did a good job giving Daniel Jones time to throw. Um, I saw PFF, uh, the Giants said that Jones had a clean pocket 74.4% of the time, which that's pretty good. He was only sacked two times. They hit him twice, but uh, the left tackle there, Andrew Thomas, he looked a lot better than he did in the preseason. And I think that that was a huge focus for them. And I think that that's something, yes, the Giants lost the game, but coming away from that game, that offensive line did a lot better than they have in the past. Yeah, it just shows you how unpredictable the NFL is. Giant fans are thinking, oh, the defense is going to be fine, but this offensive line is going to be a mess, and it's the exact opposite <laughs> of what you're expecting in week one. You might have foreshadowed this with, with a couple of your previous answers, but what do you think the one real key matchup is going to be 
on Thursday night between Giants and Washington in terms of how who, it's going to determine who's going to come out with a win in this game. Is it the Daniel Jones fumbling issue? Is that the key? I don't know. I hope not. What is going on? I mean, honestly, I think the key is probably the uh, Giants offensive line against Washington's D-line. That almost feels like too low-hanging of fruit, though, um, to take. Like, for me, Daniel Jones has to figure out ways to clean up these mistakes. I mean, 30 career fumbles now. I think that was his 40th career turnover. This is something like he's in his third year now, and the Giants focus so much in the offseason of building around him and making things better for him. And we, as I just talked about, the offensive line played better. Like I, That was just it's such an inopportune time in the game for him to fumble to. Down 10, it was just – that would have taken them into the red zone if he didn't fumble the ball at that point. So it's disappointing. I think he really, really needs to fix that. And I don't know if it becomes a more of like a mental thing at this point or what, but that's something that is kind of concerning. All right. What do you have planned on Thursday night for the pregame, Colleen? What do people have to look forward to on your coverage leading up to that game? All of it, all of the things, uh, this is so exciting and I'm not even just blowing smoke right now. It's our first show back together on the road. And last year, if you remember, all of our Thursday night football broadcasts were done at home. I was the only one in studio. Everyone else was like, you know, at their, in their guest rooms or in their garages or wherever else. We all legitimately really like each other. So we're so excited to see each other. And I feel like the show can probably get off the rails very quickly um, multiple times. <laughs> so that is something to look forward to. <laughs> speaking of shows going off the rails, did you enjoy the Manning cast last night? Did you watch that? Uh, you know what? I was flipping back and forth because well, I thought it, was I, awesome. it was so good. I loved it. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I almost need, I almost need both up at the same time though. Cause it was like, right. I loved the stories that they were telling and there was really fun insight that they were giving about like different plays and showing like who was off. And then um, I loved when they started getting into like the number changes and everything else. And then obviously just like whenever anyone was ripping on anyone else, it was fun. It was entertaining. It was different. I liked it a lot. I, I like it as a companion though, because I also am like a little traditional in that I need to know what just happened if they're not talking about it, if I missed it or something. So I'm someone who needs like 27 screens around me at once. And then through osmosis, I will learn something probably. What do you guys expect out of Saquon Barkley, by the way, Thursday? I should ask you about that. I know. Well, I, I'm hoping something more than we saw. I think that they're they're going to try and bring them along slowly. I guess they don't want to push it too much. But we really didn't see a whole lot from him. Um, and, and I think I don't know if that's if it's a problem that now it's a short week for him coming off of this injury, um, how many, how many like plays he's even going to be in for. But I think that it's, it's definitely something to monitor. I really hope though, we see something more from him for sure, because they need to be able to run the ball, especially if uh, in this division, in a division game, like they're going to need that. So I say this for the end. Did you break out into hives having to do 14 minutes of NFC East talk without a lot of Eagles talking there? Are you okay? <laughs> I, I got the Eagles in at the very beginning. You did. So. I was very impressed, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that was a heck of a it's start. Like, by Jalen like, Hurts looked great, by the way. Wow. I know. That was another thing. Like, week one, I have so many things written down that just, like, completely shocked me. Because I, even though, yes, I'm from Philadelphia, but I like to set the bar super low. 
because I hate being disappointed. So I am just like baseline, they're going to lose every game this season. And whenever they win, I'm like, oh my God, what? Are they good? Now, I think that that could be just like a week one thing. But uh, I think that Jalen Hurts, he definitely looked a lot better than I thought he was going to be. We only saw like four starts from him last season, though. Uh, so it's hard to even judge what you saw last year because it was only that sample size. So we'll see. I know you hate, I feel like you're squirming right now because we're talking too much about the Eagles it's and you good. are just like covered in giant stuff behind you. <laughs> it's actually funny. One of my best friends I went to college with was is, is an Eagles fan. And she has told me many times the best way to go about things is set the expectations as low as you possibly can so you can't be disappointed. <laughs> It's the life of a Philadelphia sports fan, right? It's so true. I'm so glad I'm not alone. I'm like, no, I am very uh, much a cynic. I'm very much, the glass is basically empty all the time. So uh, that I don't know. Maybe that's just like a Philadelphia thing. No, I think it is. <laughs> Colleen, awesome stuff. I really appreciate the time. This was fun. And you can see Colleen on NFL Game Day kickoff Thursday at 6 p.m. She anchors the pregame coverage for Giants and the Washington football team on NFL Network. Colleen, enjoy. We'll see you on Thursday night. Thanks so much for the time. All right, thank you. Let's do it again. We thank Colleen Wolf for joining us. Real fun spot. Check out her coverage again on NFL Network, previewing the game on Thursday night starting at 6 p.m. Hey, Giant fans, taking all the action of New York Giants football from your very own private suite. Giant suites are a great way to entertain your family and friends while rooting on your Giants right here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giants suite representative now by calling 888-NYG25. Also, the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself, get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider. All right, now let's go to the man in charge, the head coach of the New York football giants, Joe Judge. Bob Papa had a chance to talk to him. Short week for your ball club. Uh, coach, let's go back, though, to Sunday. Obviously, the sky is falling after week one in the NFL for half the teams in the league. What were some of the positive things that you got out of the game that you've tried to reinforce into your ball club getting ready for tonight? You know, first off, you can never ride that emotional roller coaster and look. Every week in the National Football League is about improvement. you got to be a better team each week as you go forward. It's a long season. We have 16 games remaining. It's important to keep improving every week, and that's what our focus on. we got to stay focused on the process of what it takes to be successful, and that ties us back in the tape we watched. You know, we took an emphasis on what we did, what we call winning football in the game on Sunday, things we can build on and take forward, and things we had to eliminate and get off the map so we don't eliminate chances to be successful. To me, it starts with the offense up front. I was pleased how the offensive line played last week. They've been working really hard as a group, making a lot of strides. They gave us time to go ahead and produce up front, have time to get the ball. I thought Daniel facilitated it nicely as far as getting the ball out on time, getting the receivers a chance with the passes down the field. You know, I like the way the skill players made plays in space. So a lot of tough catches, contested catches, extended runs. Shep doing good things with the ball in his hand in the space. These are things we can take and we can build on. A lot of things we focused in the offseason in terms of identifying you know, where we can go ahead and get some production down the field. We saw a lot of that and really started up front with the offensive line having a good game last week. You know, defensively, there were times we really showed that we could stop the run. Now, obviously, there are times we have to improve and make sure we don't have breakdowns, but there are times we could play stout up front, shut off the run by building a wall and setting the edge, and that's really how we want to start our mentality of stopping the run, making another team one-dimensional. we got to do a better job of getting off the field and sustaining drives. That's, there's no secret to that right there, so there's enough that we have to work on. we got to see it carry over in tonight's game. You know, but there was a lot of positive last week. We just got to make sure we take the things we have to get off the tape and correct those we've worked all week on and then obviously keep doing the things we've done well going forward to have strengths. From a psychological standpoint, right, in baseball you play every day. Uh, basketball and hockey, they got back-to-backs. This is almost the NFL's version of a back-to-back. Uh, 
is it almost good to just kind of get on to the next and not have a week of dealing with media and outside influences talking about what all the things were that were wrong last week and to just go play here? Yeah, well, I think in general, anything that's happening on the outside, we can't really go ahead and pay attention to. The truth is really what's on tape, and we understand systematically and schematically what we're trying to do. We understand what we've done well, what we have to improve on, and the important thing is just stick to the process of getting better as a team. You know, in terms of being a short week, I mean, look, the focus is getting your players physically as fresh as possible and then letting them turn around mentally and be as prepared as possible going into the game. You know, is it good to have a short week turnaround? I think for players sometimes mentality-wise, they're turning the page and moving on quick and not having time to dwell on other things. But to be honest with you, we don't spend a lot of time dwelling on things around here. I mean, look, the mood and the tone in my meetings on Monday, win, lose, whatever it is, are always the same. It's going to be the same tape every week in terms of educating our players and what we have to improve on, what we can do to carry forward, and what our emphasis for the week is going to be in terms of sticking to the process. So in terms of how we handle things internally, look, we don't ride the emotional roller coaster up and down. We don't live in the world of extremes, which can be the National Football League. And you can't go ahead and let the outside set the mood for the inside. You know, Each week we come back to work, you know, and that's our focus. That's our goal to get better each week. And look, over the course of the season, we want to keep improving as a team at the end of it. That's where our goals be, the best team we can make. All right, short week, you got Washington, so at least it's a familiar foe, a team that you play twice a year. We know how good their defense is. Uh, obviously, last week, the Chargers chewed up the last 643 of the ball game and closing the game out. But that being said, this is a really good defense up front. What do they do so well to create stress on you as an offense? Well, first off, we anticipate seeing their absolute best this game. Uh, we're, we're not going to underestimate our opponent. We're going to have full respect for them. But I think it starts up front with these guys, really on the edges. All right, you talk about Chase and Sweat. These guys are big, long men. They have a lot of power. They have exceptional first-step quickness of getting off the ball. They have a combination of moves. Sweat's a you know strong guy, will play through your edge or bolt through your chest and really push you forward. Chase is just a rare combination of you know size, speed, athleticism, and then the intensity he plays with. He's really got a relentless effort about him that you've got to go ahead and account for. And this guy makes some – you know, plays you turn on, you say, like, okay, there's not a lot of those guys in the world. You know, the reality is, you know, you get guys early in the season right now with exceptional rushers. Last week was Vaughn Miller. That our guys did a good job in terms of, you know, protecting him the way we emphasized throughout the week. It's going to take everything we can to protect against Chase and Sweat this week. But you talk about that rush up front, you know, combine the defensive tackles and their pain and Allen as well. They do such a good job of pushing the pocket, the speed coming off the edge. They force you into bad decisions, and they make you force a ball where their defensive backs are waiting to pounce on it and make a play. This is one of the top turnover teams in the league last year. 23 total, 16 were interceptions. A lot of those interceptions come from bad decisions by quarterbacks and defensive backs sitting back and aggressively jumping the ball. we got to make sure as receivers, we don't telegraph the top of our route. We have to make good, efficient cuts. You know, as a quarterback, we have to be on time and accurate with the pass. And then we got to protect up front. we got to put everyone together, all 11, have to operate as one. But you've got to count for everyone on their team. There's a lot of team speed on their second level. They're linebackers and defensive backs, so you can't underestimate their breaks on the ball or their pursuit against the run game. Finally, we go to the other side of the ball. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick got hurt last week, so he's out. They put him on IR. Taylor Heineke, obviously he's shown some pretty good things in some of the opportunities. they got a good run game. McLaurin's a big play threat on the outside, and a former quarterback has turned into quite a tight end in this NFL. Logan Thomas had the touchdown last week. Schematically, how do you think they try to attack you? Well, I think with these guys, it always starts with the run game. they got very talented backs, and obviously – Gibson and McKissick now can not only just run the ball, but they can screen threats, check down threats, you know, regular receivers and the routes. They can line up in different personnel groups 
with having the same people on the field. And I mean that saying, talking about 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end, two receivers. They can be in 21 and also make it 11 at the same time by lining McKissick or Gibson out in the slot. Normally it's McKissick. But you're looking at that point, you know, one back, one tight end, three receivers. So in terms of who they have in the huddle, they can get the different sets and run different modes of their offense. And you've got to be able to defend the run and the pass of those guys in there. They're very explosive. You've got to tackle well in space. You know, you talk about their skill group outside. McLaurin's obviously an explosive player. You know, and off the run game, they tie in some of the screens, get it in space. There's really an extension of the run game. Or the shots down the field, and you got to count for McLaurin, number one. The rookie Brown's really a shot player down the field. I mean, he's got top speed. He's a long player. He gets going down the field. We all knew about this guy coming out in the draft. He's definitely a threat, and they're going to look to use him not only for the nines you know, over top in the post, but also those deep comeback routes when you sell out to go ahead and take advantage of you overplaying the deep ball. And you talk about Logan Thomas. Again, this guy's really – made himself in one of the top tight ends in the league. You know, former quarterback has really, you know, evolved his game. You know, third down, red area, he's really their top go-to target. You got to know where he is and how to use it. He's just got such a big range of catching the ball. Knows how to use his body like a power forward in basketball. You got to really account for him and not let him get started early. It's easier said than done. But, you know, they've got weapons on all ends right there. And you talk about Heineke, and this guy's really – that gunslinging gamer type of quarterback. And he goes out there, he knows how to extend plays, improvise on his feet. He knows how to really make profits all right, out of loose games and moving around. He also can run the ball with his feet. So you always have to count for this guy as a runner. If you get undisciplined in, the, in your rush lanes and let him have a lane going forward, he'll eat it up and it'll make you pay. If you let him extend the plays, you got to cover the receivers as well as respect him pulling the ball and then run as well. So, you know, they pose a lot of problems. It's a shame that, you know, Fitz is injured. You don't want to see any player, especially a guy like Fitz, who's such a respected player in this league, be hurt. Uh, at the same time, we have full respect for Heineke. Uh, he's a very capable player. You know, he's been very, very competitive in big games. And this is obviously a big game being division game for us. Coach, best of luck uh, tonight, and thanks for joining us as always. All right, thank you. That's Giants head coach Joe Judge. Giant fans on September 26th, watch the Giants retire Eli Manning's jersey in style. We are offering an exclusive suite package, which includes Eli bobbleheads, jerseys, T-shirts, and more. Speak with the Giants suite representative now by calling 888-NYG-1925. Select option four. We thank our three guests, Joe Judge, Colleen Wolf, and, of course, Giants starting left tackle Andrew Thomas for joining us on this special game preview edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast. I am John Schmelk. And once again, for the Giants Huddle Podcast, which, by the way, includes every episode of our special edition all-in NYG podcast presented by PNC Private Bank, which details and celebrates the 10th anniversary of the Giants Super Bowl 46 championship. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. You'll get all the new episodes delivered right to you. You know when is up. We do a rapid reaction after each game. You have the all-in podcast, the game preview of other guests sprinkled in throughout the year. Make sure you check that out on the Giants Huddle Podcast. It's also in the Giants mobile app and, of course, at Giants.com slash podcast. I'm John Schmelk. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time on the Giants Huddle. Enjoy the game, everyone.